0: Staying with me for our gospel reading this morning, continuing from last week in Matthew chapter 5. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything. It must be thrown out and trampled underfoot. But you, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand and gives light to all of the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God in heaven. Friends, this is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So now gracious God in these moments. May the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place and in all places be found pleasing to you. O oh Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Last year, my soon-to-be mother-in-law gave me an amazing gift for Valentine's Day. It was something I had never heard of before, and she swore it would change my life. She was not wrong. It was a small package from Old Kentucky Chocolates of dark chocolate-covered wavy potato chips... Sprinkled with pink Himalayan sea salt. And I can't remember the last time I have savored every single bite of something like I did that. I I don't know about you all, but I am kind of a sucker for sweet and salty snacks, it's one of my favorite combos. And so I did a little investigating this week on what makes sweet and salty such a dynamic duo. And I discovered that because salt acts as a directly contrasting taste to sweetness, it actually helps to enhance the other flavors that are present. And so when it is combined with something like dark chocolate, it actually helps to subdue the bitterness of the chocolate And then it highlights some of the sweeter notes. In other words, whoever thought of covering a salty, crunchy Lay's potato chip with dark chocolate and a little bit of sea salt was an absolute genius. Now, Gary Waller reminded me that what would have been absolute genius for me to do would have been to have dark (laughs) chocolate-covered potato chips for communion today. (laughs) Um... I'm sorry I didn't think about that ahead of time because that would have been amazing. (laughs) Taste and see that the Lord is good. (laughs) I'm sharing all of this before we dive into this story where Jesus tells us that we are the salt of the earth because I thought it was important for us to step back for a moment and to consider what salt is and what it does. Today, salt is a pretty common household good. I would imagine that all of us have access to salt in some way. But it hasn't always been that way. Historian Mark Kalinsky has actually written a book on the history of salt, if you can believe it. And he points out that from the very beginning of civilization until only about 100 years ago or so... Salt was actually one of the most sought-after commodities in human history. Salt. The ancients believed that salt would ward off evil spirits. Religious covenants were often sealed with salt. Salt was used for medicinal purposes, to disinfect wounds, stimulate thirst, treat skin diseases. Roman soldiers were actually paid in salt, hence our English word, salary. Brides and grooms actually rubbed salt on their bodies to enhance fertility. The Romans salted their vegetables like we do salads. Dogs were actually first domesticated using salt. People would leave salt outside of their homes in order to entice the dogs to stay near And, of course, in all the centuries before refrigeration, salt was essential for preserving our food. Now, today, even though salt is common, we use it for lots of different purposes. Salt accentuates flavor in whatever we are eating. It melts the ice like we needed it to do a few weeks ago. It accelerates a boiling pot of water. It soothes a sore throat, it rinses sinuses, eases swelling, and cleanses wounds. But in some contexts, salt is more than just a flavor. It has an edge. Some of us around here are known for having salty language from time to time. Salt can sting, it burns, it can irritate. And so what in the world do we do with all of that when we consider Jesus' words in his very first sermon when he looks toward this crowd of people who are gathered on the hillside and he says to them, You, you are the salt of the earth. Sometimes we say that about people that are just beloved. I've heard that about Keith Iken, I've heard that. I've said that about Jerry Bursky. Salt of the earth. Incredible, beloved people. Part of our great cloud of witness here in this space. So what does it mean for us to be salt of the earth? (laughs) And when we consider all that salt does, (laughs) what if it means that you and I bring something that is good and rare And healing and restorative and transformative to the world just by being who God created us to be. Jesus says, You enhance God's world just by being you because you are salt. You bring flavor and life and gusto to people's lives. You help restore what is broken. You nurture healing and goodness in God's world. You bring the burning sting to the powers of injustice around us. You, you can do this just by showing up as the person God is uniquely creating you to be. I think sometimes this metaphor is lost on us because salt is so common, One commentator I read this week said maybe it would pop out to us if Jesus were to say, you are the red-hot chili pepper of the world. You spice things up. And notice that Jesus isn't telling people how to become saltier, how to become the salt of the earth, just like we talked about with the Beatitudes last week. You don't have to try to be blessed. You don't have to earn your way to be blessed. And it's the same here. Salt doesn't have to try to be salty. It just is. Light doesn't have to work harder to be light. It's how it is created, and the same is true for us, friends. Jesus isn't giving these people a list of prerequisites they must meet or boxes they must check in order to become more salty. (laughs) He says, you are the salt of the earth, period, even if you don't realize it, even if you have a hard time believing it, even if you can't see it in yourself, that's who you are as a child of God. Do you know how many people there are who don't even step foot in these doors because they've never seen themselves like that? And they've never encountered a God who sees themselves as that too. Every single week, people are yearning to hear this word, that they are salt and that they are light and that they are a beloved child of God. And so if you are here today and hear nothing else I say, hear that period. I think I've shared with you all before about some of the work that my previous church in Waco did in the public schools in our community. One year, we were at a student empowerment summit with about 500 high school students in Waco, and the keynote speaker was Dr. Jolanda Jones, who served on the Board of Education for the Houston School District. And I will never forget how she captivated a room of 500 high schoolers that day, which I would imagine is a pretty challenging thing to do. Dr. Jones shared with them about how she grew up in the third ward of Houston, and she was often the primary caregiver for her four younger siblings while her mother was at work. There were many times when her family went without water, electricity, heat or even enough food to eat when she was a teenager their rent house burned down from candles they were using in place of electricity but despite all the odds against her Dr. Jones went on to become an internationally recognized athlete a lawyer who stands with those on the margins and an activist and today, I just looked her up. She now serves in the Texas State House of Representatives. But out of everything she shared that day from her years growing up, she shared that what was the most difficult for her to overcome was actually hearing some of the awful things that her mother said to her. Her mother, as she was growing up, said things like, I hate you, you're worthless. No one will ever love you. And the worst, I wish you had never been born. And she said, out of all the difficult things, the worst by far was hearing those things from her mother and then coming to believe them about herself. Well, my heart sank that day because I watched as Dr. Jones shared her story And so many heads of students around the room nodded as if to say, I've heard that from someone in my life, too. I get it. I know what that feels like, too. And she said it wasn't until much later in her life that she finally had the courage to ask her mom, Mom, why did you say all those horrible things to me? Why did you have to do that to me? It took me years to overcome that. And her mom said I am so sorry. I was so young at the time. And Jolanda those were the exact same things that my mother said to me when I was your age. And so I believed them about myself. And without even knowing what I was saying or what I was doing, I pass them on to you too, and I am so sorry. It's why some psychologists suggest that for every negative message elementary age children hear about themselves, they need to hear ten positive ones in order to restore their sense of self-esteem to where it had been previously. And I didn't look it up, but I can only fathom what the statistics would be for teenagers and even for us as adults. In other words, children become what they are named. We become what we are called. Call someone bad long enough and they will start acting badly. I guarantee it. Call a child or a teenager or an adult worthless or unlovable or unworthy of love or you fill in the blank, and eventually all of us will live into the name that we have been assigned by those around us. But call us good. Call us useful or dependable or helpful or worthwhile, and we will live into that identity and behavior as well. Which is why I think it's so telling that Jesus here calls us the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Each and every one of us without exception. But then I think we've got to wrestle with what Jesus says next. He says that if salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing. What on the world do we do with that? The thing is, I would venture to guess that many of us have felt like this at one point or another. Good for nothing. Perhaps we've felt like that, even more so than we have felt like the salt of the earth. (laughs) But Bible scholar David Luce asks a valuable question here. He says, can salt really lose its saltiness? Doesn't it just dissolve? (laughs) And likewise, are candles Ever really put under a bushel basket? Wouldn't that just snuff out the flame or worse, start a fire? He says, What if Jesus is implying here that we can never lose our status as salt and light? It's not possible. He says, maybe Jesus is naming the absurdity of the possibility in order to underscore the reality, the reliability, and the resilience of what it means for us to be salt and light in God's world. Because God's covenant with God's people doesn't allow for anyone to be thrown out. (laughs) That's not who our God is. And so I wonder this morning what it would look like for you and I to take seriously our identity, our God-given identity, as salt of the earth. If we really believe these words that Jesus says about us to be true, how might we show up a little saltier in God's world? How might we love one another more wholeheartedly? How might we engage more deeply in the work of justice? How might we bring about healing and wholeness in God's world in ways we hadn't even considered before? How might we make the world around us a better place just by fully and faithfully being exactly who God created us to be? You might be familiar with the writer Matthew Paul Turner. He's written lots of beloved children's books that Pastor Renee and I both love. And a few years ago, Matthew came out as gay. And it's been so beautiful to witness how his journey of coming out has given him an even more authentic voice in his writing. He actually shared on social media that Quote, as someone who spent 30 plus years in fundamentalist evangelical churches and exploring God through conservative theologies, I've lived many days overwhelmed by fear, shame, and self-hatred. But for the first time in my life, he says, I can say with confidence that I'm ready to embrace freedom, hope, and love as a gay man, exactly as God created me to be. And so knowing Matthew's story makes me appreciate his words all the more. And I wanted to end today's sermon by sharing some of them with you. Because if Jesus were preaching a modern-day sermon— inviting us to live into our God-given identity as salt and light in this world, bringing flavor and life to everything and everyone around us, I tend to think it might sound something like this. When God made you, somehow God knew that the world needed someone exactly like you. Out of billions of faces, from cultures, all races, people God made from all different places, God knew your name, your picture was framed, God's family without you would not be the same. Because when God made you, this much is true, the world got to meet who God already knew you, you, when God sees you, God delights in what is and sees only what's true. That you, yes, you, in all of your glory, bring color and rhythm and rhyme to God's story. So be you, fully you, a show-stopping review. Live your life in full color, every tint, every hue— Discover, explore, have faith, but love more and learn and relearn all that God made you for. Use your talents and passion, those gifts that God fashioned, think up ideas and then put them in action because God loves you creating your true self displaying when light on the inside through art is portraying. When you dance all alone, spinning like a cyclone, being whoever, whatever in a world all your own, God smiles and hears why in the spark of your eye, a familiar reflection shines bright from inside. Because when God made you, the world, oohed and awed. in heaven, they called you an image of God. You, you, God, dreams about you. God dreams about all that in you will be true. That you, God's you, will be hopeful and kind. A giver who gives with heart, soul, and mind. A mover, a shaker, a lover of nature, a builder of bridges. You, the peacemaker. A you who views others as siblings and brothers and lives by three words. Love one another. A confident you, strong and brave too. Because you being you is God's dream coming true. Friends, may these words be true of us. May we be salt and light in this world exactly how God created us to be. Amen and amen.